Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, I'm trying to think about how I want to introduce our speaker this morning because I could probably, so one, I'm not preaching today, so you know I got a hard time giving the mic up because, like, the less I preach, the more I have to find other ways to talk. Um, and so I could preach about Dr. McNaughton for a long time. Um, so uh, I'll try and keep it simple. Um, uh, it's still probably going to fail, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, let's just say that next to my father, uh, Dr. Daniel McNaughton is probably the most influential man in my life, has been in my, in my life. Um, first met Dr. McNaughton when I was a freshman at the University of Valley Forge. Actually, no, that's not true. It was Valley Forge Christian College back then. VFCC, that's what we call it. So that's we're proud of it. That's where we went. The VFCC Patriots. Um, and uh, what we'd heard was this professor, this tall guy uh, who was from Texas, uh, a Texan. And uh, we heard that he was the most like Jesus that you'd ever meet. That was the word on, on the street, was that he was the most like Jesus. And it was like, oh, that's pretty big you know, shoes to fill. So I was like, oh, I'll take a class with him. And uh, it was uh, probably, it was the Foundations of Spiritual Disciplines, my first semester at Valley Forge. And it was easily like a turning point in my life. That class, no question, changed who I am. It changed the trajectory of my life. It was like God finally got a hold of me and woke me up in that class. And man, what a ride. And so over the next few years, Dr. McNaughton got to know him uh, and then uh, through the years, we've stayed in touch. Um, when I was deciding whether to start a church here or not, um, I actually wasn't even looking at Robbinsville. I was looking at somewhere else, and I went out to Pennsylvania. I knew he had started a church, and I was looking to go on staff somewhere else. And I said, hey, can you just help me work through this? Just make sure I'm making the right decision. And I had told these group of people that, listen, I'm going to come here. I'm going to be on staff. And it's, I'm 95% sure. So I just, unless God puts up this big giant stop sign, I'm going here. So I go for a conversation. I drive out there and it was like a three or four hour conversation. And you can ask my wife, I was driving home and I'm like, um, stop sign. It's like something changed. And in, it was in that conversation that it clarified in my mind that I was supposed to plant a church and start a church here in Robbinsville. It was because of him that this church even exists. And then for the next year and a half, he continued to give me time. Free, no charge, just to pour into me because I had no idea how to do that. And just began to teach me what it meant to pastor and how to start a church. And he just invested hour after hour after hour after hour. And I cannot exaggerate. The very first years, most of you don't know, but the very first year of our church, I preached, 2011, I preached through a number of series that you thought were just completely random. They were not. It was his book that he had written that I was just taking apart and teaching for an entire year. That's the foundation of Life Tree. His imprint is all, it's the first time he's ever been here to Robbinsville to see it. Don't worry, he's had Taco Rito already. We took him out for pizza. We're getting, we're, we're, take, we're getting sandwiches from Dolce today. Like, we're taking care of him. We're hooking him up Robbinsville style. So he's learning Robbinsville. But he had never actually been here. But his imprints are all over this church. I just want to let you know that. And now, in the past few months, starting in the spring, we've actually get, had a chance to uh, re-engage again after some time, you know, away. He'd done some other things, and he is now consulting for our church and helping us uh, learn and grow as in a coaching relationship. And it's great. We, I get to talk to him once a week, and uh, it's telling you, just filling me up so much. 
Um, and so he was here yesterday doing some sessions for our staff. Today he'll be working with our leadership team, our board, our deacons and our elders, and uh, thrilled to have him here. But I just want you to know that this man has influenced this church in ways that most of us have no idea. Um, and I'm just, I'm just honored that he's here, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you get to hear him. He's going to continue our series on the creed. Um, but would you please welcome one of my personal heroes, Dr. Daniel McNaughton, as he comes to share with us this morning. Thank you, Dan. Well, that is uh, very humbling, to be honest with you. That's really hard to sit through. Um, you know, nobody's anything. Jesus is, is the only one that should get any honor, or any glory, or any praise. And I really believe that. I'm not just saying that because it's comfortable right now. But I really want you to, uh, to think about the Lord because he's the one who had in mind uh, the church here. You know, it just happened to be, I didn't even, I had forgotten we had the conversation uh, until we were talking. I mean, I knew we had the conversation, but I didn't remember that there was this major change in Dan's life. It's just one of those things. But it is really cool to see you all. Um, after so many years, you know, I remember when I was sitting with Dan and uh, you were just a gleam in his eye. And he was describing um, what God had put on his heart. Actually, uh, he figured it out. I actually didn't do anything. Um, I was sitting there and I remember now asking him, so what do you want to do? And he said, well, at some point I'd like to. Uh, you know, start a church where I kind of went to high school and I saw this thing. And he said, but I think I'll go over here for a while. And I said, why would you go over there for a while if you really want to go over here? And then that's what happened. God spoke to him. And so, you know, the cool thing about serving the Lord, and for all of us it's like this, you know, you have opportunities to... Um, you have opportunities uh, to do things you never would have done with people you never would have done it with. Go places you never would have gone, and uh, then he gets all the glory. And it's kind of like you get this seat on the front row, or maybe riding shotgun. Anybody like to ride shotgun? Like, you know what that means? Anybody in the room? Okay, so you're not driving, but you get to be in the front, and you get to see all the cool stuff. And I like driving too, honestly. I kind of like being in charge. But um, anyway, that's not in my script, so I better move on. It is a privilege to be here. Uh, it was really nice also to be with um, the the staff yesterday um, and realize that five of the seven people were, had been in my classes. And, and they, by the way, you need to know uh, these are some of the, you know this, but I just want to say it. They were awesome students back then. They were great people then, and and uh, they haven't aged a bit. Uh, so, no, they're... They're great people. Now, I, I want you to know, I think um, your pastor, your lead pastor and your staff are some of the finest people. And uh, could we just give it up for them? Because I think give honor to whom honor is due. Um, recently, uh, my wife and I moved to Florida. And um, those of you who have been to Florida know that it's a really nice place uh, to live, unless it's May through August when most people from the north actually go down there. But uh, it's not hell but during that time, but it's close by. You know, the weather. We got acclimated, though, my wife and I, uh, believe it or not, and we uh, it doesn't bother me as much to be out in the heat. And so 
Um, and I got into cycling uh, also with my wife. And so we've, we've been enjoying that a lot. Uh, but today the, the sermon is about forgiveness. And so I thought I'd give you something real quick to forgive me for. Uh, I'm not a hero or anything. It's just today when I got up, I looked at the weather uh, in Florida where I live. And it was, it was actually early in the morning. It was actually uh, here. It was 48 degrees. And I think it was lower than that, actually. But it said frost advisory. And I looked at Lakeland, Florida, and it was like 73 this morning. And there, and there wasn't a frost advisory. Uh, today it'll get up to the mid-80s, and um, it'll, be, it'll be really nice. You could be in the pool today, too, just saying. You could actually be in the pool at Christmas, too. I've been in the pool at Christmas. So do you need to forgive me yet for... Uh, since we're talking about forgiveness today. How many of you know that not all that glitters is gold, though? Um, can we just talk about food for a little bit? I've been loving uh, being here. They've been taking me out. Uh, Taquerito, that was some of the best food on the planet uh, for, you know, that kind of food. Not that it's bad if it weren't that kind of food, but you know what I mean. And we got to eat at a place, I don't know the name, but it was amazing last night. I ate some Italian food that was just unbelievable. And I guess you're going to take me out to another place today. And that's made the whole trip worth it. Because in Florida, it's just, I'm not saying there's no good food in Florida, but it's just not around where I live. Uh, I don't know about the rest of it. Um, and there's another thing I just want to let you know. You know, uh, sarcasm uh, is... is um, People in Florida don't understand real humor. And um, I had been a professor for two months at this school, and I had been a professor for like 10 years, and I had used my best stuff in class. You know, like it was, and it, you know, it was normal stuff that I, you get, you can, after a while you teach and you know, you wait till the right point and you make the statement and then you get the joke. People laugh. And I, I did that like 25 times. And I'm telling you, it was bone dead. And I was like going, like, what is the deal? So I, I at one point, I'm like, I, I, I just can't take it any longer. So I literally said out loud, I'm calling an audible. What is going on? I have told you my best jokes, and you guys never laugh. And some student from the South raised their hand and said, excuse me, sir, what was funny? <laughs> I said that was funny, <laughs> and they stayed they still. No, no, no laughter. And I said, "Look." And then, and then, so I, I told him. I said, "Well, I, I just said this to you, and you didn't laugh." And another student raised her hand and said, "That's sarcasm." And I, and I laughed. And I said, "Of course." And and then another student said, "Well, we we don't like sarcasm. It's offensive to us." And I said, really? And they said, yeah, we thought you were angry at us and mean. And I said, no, I'm a nice guy. And um, there was one student raised their hand in the back and said um, something like, you know, I like your humor. And I said, where are you from? She said, Maryland. I said, okay, you know, you're going to get me. But I've been adjusting to the lack of, sorry, I've got to tell you, I'm, it feels good to be able to just not filter with you all. Can you just give me a little bit more therapy for a second? So uh, driving, okay? 
So, you know, southeast Pennsylvania, New Jersey driving, we kind of know what it's like, right? Everybody's aggressive, and sometimes there's hand signals, you know. Stuff happens. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's aggressive, but you, it's not terrible. We all know what's going on. You don't go slow in the fast lane. Uh, if you do, you're going to get something. And so the Florida, it's just downright dangerous. I'm, I'm telling you, it's crazy because there are some people that retire in Florida from New Jersey and they know how to drive. And then there are people who retire in Florida who are like from some other place where they they go like 10 miles an hour and they don't mind going slow in the fast lane and they never apologize. And now add to that, um, you got Bubba uh, in his monster truck and they're all over the place. I mean, they're, where I live, there are more monster trucks than I've ever seen in any small area. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. I know you have them here too, but I'm talking about like fleets of and you got these little sticker that says salt life, and there's more to that than you realize. And so you put Bubba out there, and you got various retired people, and then you just got regular southern folk out there that are just slow at everything. And it's dangerous driving in Florida. So it's just fun being here, seeing people drive like you would expect. And uh, it's, it's dangerous, but it's more dangerous there. And uh, one of the things that I love about being here, and this is going to kind of get me into my message, is that I love about this part of the country that you can, you appreciate uh, direct communication. Uh, the one thing that was really been weird in Florida is I discovered from regular folk in Florida, not transplants, but regular folk, that they generally don't value direct communication. So I heard a group of ministers one day say, um, something like, why say anything directly when you can say it indirectly? And everybody nodded their heads, and I went, what? What are you talking about? So you have something to say, and you never say it, you know? Like when somebody says a really stupid thing in this part of the world, you look at them and go like, what's wrong with you? You know? And you, you confront them directly, and... And what they do in Florida, if they're from Florida, they'll say, bless his heart. And everybody knows you just called him an idiot. But you didn't even say it, you know. So they, they, they don't value direct communication. And I love today that I get to be here because we're going to be talking about a really difficult subject. And rather than try to beat around the bush about it, I'd rather just, like, speak to you directly because it, it's easiest that way. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the Apostles' Creed. And it's, uh, you know, this series, it's, it's, it's about what, what do Christians believe? And um, the Lord allowed a group of Christians to get together and to uh, write down what they had believed for really, at that point, centuries. And that's what we have with the Apostles' Creed. And today I get to speak about uh, that I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I guess we need to start this morning with a question. I, I want to start with a question, and, I, and I'll ask you this. Do you believe 
in the forgiveness of sins. I mean, really, I know we could say it, but do you really believe that? You know, if we believe in it as a nation, then we stink at it. Uh, hate crimes jumped up for the fourth straight year in, in the largest cities in America, and that came out, the Washington Post said that May 11th. Um, and the belief is pre- prevalent in the United States that the world is increasingly becoming a fearful and violent place. 91% of Americans feel this way, and the majority of Americans also believe that both the United States and the world together today are too divided and apart. I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I'm just saying that's what where we live in. There was a, uh, if, if you're part of the Fetzer uh, Institute, is anybody part of that? Okay, good. Uh, they did a survey that's logical <laughs> to do, but they did it back in 2010 about it. 62% of Americans agree strongly or somewhat that they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. And this number increases to 83% in their communities and 90% in America and 90% in the world. So we're all saying we all need a whole lot more forgiveness in the world. So we're agreeing on that. But if we know that, uh, we're, we're doing a terrible job at exporting it and doing anything about it. You know, there are millions of people in the world who don't yet know that they can be forgiven. And if we know that we can... Uh, And some of us are not sure. There are some people that live their whole lives just kind of hoping that maybe they could be forgiven. And you may be here like that today. Maybe you're just kind of test driving the whole, you know, relationship with God thing. And you're like, I don't really know. You're in the right place. This is a place where you ought to be able to ask questions and wonder and kind of push it. Push Push the rock a little bit just to say, is it really? I mean, seriously. There are people who live their whole lives and they die and they say like, well, they put all their hopes in this like, man, I, I might, I hope I'm, I hope I'm better than the next guy. And we compare ourselves against, you know, axe murderers and stuff and say like, oof, I hope I'm better than him. I know I didn't do that. That's kind of where we live, you know. But they just don't know. Some people put their hope in some kind of cosmic, um, you know, way, way, a scale thing that we're like, if my, I just hope that if I, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, that somehow God will like overlook these things in my life that are like, uh, I don't want to think about that I did. Uh, can I be forgiven? Some of the best words that you'll ever hear in your life is this, that you can be forgiven and you can know that you're forgiven. And we're going to talk about that today. How do I know that you can be forgiven? Well, there's definitely no doubt uh, some faith involved in what I'm about to say, but I'm going to tell you why. I believe that the earliest followers of Jesus accurately wrote down what Jesus said. And there's actually, many of you could quote it, um, the Lord's Prayer, that even the most liberal scholars, and I studied with them at the university, will say that has every... Uh, element of showing that it's a unique uh, piece of document from Jesus. So even if you take the most most liberal person, they would say that Lord's Prayer represents stuff that's probably from somebody named Jesus. Now, for a believer of Jesus who believes in the Bible like I do, we would say, I think that they recorded 
clearly what Jesus said about, and particularly about forgiveness. And uh, most of them in your room, you know, could quote the Lord's Prayer. And, and could we do that kind of reverently? But I want to kind of uh, ask you ahead of time that when I say stop, I'm going to stop you in the middle. I want you to stop when I ask you to stop, okay? So could we, those of you who know it, could we just say it together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day. Stop. Forgive us this day. Interestingly enough, this passage, I've had the wonderful opportunity to study um, the Bible in the original languages. And I always hesitate sharing that because then people think you're like talking about yourself. And I just have to say it because I can't tell you what I'm about to tell you if I don't tell you where I got it from. The word forgive here where Jesus says, that's our passage today, Matthew 12, 6, 12, is uh, forgive us our sins. It's actually a command. You know what a command is? an imperative. If you studied another language, it's like telling someone what to do. I don't know about you, but I'm really uncomfortable with telling God to do anything. You know, if there's a God, and he's a creator of all, and I believe he is, who in the world and would ever think it's all right to command God to do anything? That's actually what the Bible says. When it says, forgive us our sins, it's actually a command. So we are supposed to, Jesus said, we're supposed to. Now, I still almost can't even get it out of my mouth, honestly, because it feels irreverent. Does it not? Forgive, forgive me. It's, it's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's an, a, an ask, but it's in command form. Forgive us our sins. And if you just stop there, it's like, man, oh, man, that, it's humbling to me. But the nice thing about it is that if Jesus said you should do it, then you ought to do it. So can we just start there for a second? You can ask confidently for forgiveness. And you can do it boldly or humbly boldly if there's a way to do that. The Bible tells us that God wants to forgive us. Not just, it's not just a new idea. Uh, Nehemiah 7, 9, 17, it, it talks about uh, in this passage, it says, that, but you are a God ready to forgive, um, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Um, you, O Lord, are a God ready to forgive. So, I don't know what your view of God is. Uh, some of us grew up with a view of God that's like kind of like divine zapper. You know, you do something wrong, you're going to get something. We're scared of God. But to hear that He has always wanted us to forgive or be forgiven, it's God's will, actually, that you would be forgiven. I love Psalm 103.3. It says, he forgives all my sins. 
Now, you don't have to tell this to your neighbor right now, but I want you to think about just for a moment your life. Now, I'm not asking you to drill back and think about all the things that you've done, but I'm saying if I, if I just say he forgives all your sin, there might be some things that pop up in your mind that are like, oh, man, I wonder if all includes that. By the way, I did a Hebrew word study on the word all, and it means all. Yeah. He forgives all our sins. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God forgives, and he wants to forgive. And we need to be forgiven. Uh, Some of you may not be sure of that. You might say, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Okay, so I'll help you with that for just a second, because you're in New Jersey and you appreciate direct communication. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one bats a thousand. When it says that we've all sinned, it, it puts a mark on our life. And there's another passage in Romans that says this, for the wages of sin or the gift or the payment of sin is death. So if you sin, even the littlest thing, you deserve death. Now, that's scary. That, that's scary to me because I'm nuked like everybody else in the room. But then 1 John, verses 8 through 8 and 10 say this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a, him would be God, out to be a liar, and his word, has, no, his, uh, has, his word is not in us. So I just, just had to get it out there because we're all in the same boat. Like we're on a big ship. We're all nuked without something intervening and some of us underestimate how much we need forgiveness we compare ourselves to others i love the phrase that jesus says he didn't come for the healthy but for the sick if you identify with the sick he's like hey i came for you he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom so you come empty-handed you know you can be forgiven that's what's awesome 1 John 1, nine says it really clearly, though. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin. And he'll cleanse us from all, there we go, unrighteousness. So you can know that you're forgiven. That's really my first really big point. You can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. I don't know about you, but I am so glad... <laughs> That I can be forgiven. I'm so glad you don't know about my life. I just, I just am so glad. He, he, he says all kind of nice things about me. And I'm like, okay, little snapshot of humanity. I'm just so glad that you don't know me. Because I need forgiveness as much as anybody in this room. So grateful to, for this good news of God today. That I can be forgiven. How about you? Or are you, like, are you one who don't, doesn't really need it that bad when you're hoping I'll get to the next point? I need it. I desperately need it. And you probably do too. But it doesn't end there, and I have to keep going and tell you the rest of the story. And here it is. Uh, you can forgive as well. Now, in the, 
the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, or not, excuse me, on the, uh, the uh, Lord's Prayer, says, forgive us our, there's different ways people say this, forgive us our debts, or how do you say it? You guys were saying that slightly different from me, so our trespasses. And then what, what happens next? What does it say? As we forgive those, right? So as we forgive those, unfortunately, that doesn't get translated real well into English because it's actually past tense. The Greek word is past tense. So forgive us our sins or debts as we forgave. So, so the deal is this. So we, when we come to pray and we're asking the Lord for forgiveness, we're saying, Lord, forgive me for my sins as, we, as I've already forgiven uh, those who have trespassed against me. That puts it past tense. Now I'm supposed to have already come with forgiving when I'm seeking forgiveness. That kind of bothers me. Does it bother anybody else in the room? Because I was kind of like hoping that I could have time on my side to forgive and just get forgiveness for me. And then we'll like put the my forgiveness part later on down the path. I'll learn to forgive. Right? Nobody else is with me. That's okay. Um, what I want you to know at the beginning here as we're talking about what forgiveness looks like is, first of all, what it's not. And this might be helpful for some of us. Some of us had some really horrible things happen in our lives. But I want you to know that forgiveness is not denying the seriousness of an offense. It's not forgetting. Some people say forgive and forget. You, you probably impossible to forget if you've had some terrible stuff. It's not forgetting. It's not also condoning or excusing an offense. It's actually sometimes not even best to reconcile. It's not reconciling with the person. It may not even be the best thing. It might not even be the most loving thing to, to reconcile. And it's, it's not even releasing them necessarily from legal accountability. Like they probably should get whatever they get. So what is forgiveness then? I'm glad you asked. Forgiveness, the word for it, is to dismiss or release someone. It's to um, release from legal or moral obligation or consequence. Uh, not saying that they don't deserve consequence, but you're going to release them from it for yourself. It's to cancel or remit. So this word is actually a picture, so I have to help you. It's the same word that's used when Jesus asked the um, disciples, he said, follow me. And it says, and they left their nets. That word for let is the same word in Greek. It's kind of like you're going to leave this, you're going to throw it down and leave it behind. You're going to kind of leave it and walk towards something better. You're going to hand it off and now it's no longer going to be in your hands and in your life. It's something else. So it's forgiving there. There's a... Um, I woke up this morning kind of having a panic attack, realizing I was going to preach today. And so um, <laughs> and so I did a little bit more work. And so I, I did a little work on the, uh, the Hebrew word for forgive, and I got a shock. So I'm going to share it with you. I told my wife she said I should share it. So um, th- there's, there's two words in Hebrew for uh, forgiveness. So the Old Testament has it. And what shocked me was to discover that when... when uh, when Joseph kind of forgave his family, it, they use a different word than forgive. It's like it actually says they tell him that your dad told us that you should, and they and then it uses this word carry that you should carry 
us and and not hold it against us. So they're just saying you need to you need to suck it up and just continue to carry the pain of all of these years and not retaliate. Which is what most of us kind of do, right? The other word in Hebrew is used for when God um, pardons people. So there was a payment for a pardon. There was a sacrificial system or something like that. And this is the part that I did not know. Only God does that in the Old Testament. He never says to human beings in the Old Testament, forgive. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So now Jesus comes on the scene and other people say, who can forgive sins but God? And now you're telling you can do it. And that how, they know it's they know their word and they're saying you can't do this. And Jesus now is what he's actually doing. He's empowering people. To do what God can do, which is to actually release people when they've wronged you, because all of us kind of know that something's wrong with that. Don't we like where's the justice in that. Okay, like three of you are nodding. You're wondering where I'm going with this. I get it. Because I feel the same way. I was 26 years old before I forgave anybody. And a whole bunch of stuff happened to me as a child that should never happen to human beings. And, uh, and if I told you, you would be like, yeah, that shouldn't happen. you know. But I didn't forgive anybody. And I was 26 years old one day and I and and I was in prayer, and I knew this passage was there. Forgive, and if you, you can't be forgiven unless you do it. And I was kind of like, you know, wanting the long ball from God about forgiving. Felt like I got an ultimatum. Just like, okay, you've had a long time, 10 years, to kind of release some of this stuff. And furthermore, felt like the Lord just told me it's killing you. It's, you're the captive. You're You're destroyed by this. And you're still sautéing your anger about these things, and you're still trying to get even. I want you to be free, so decide today. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, let's do this later. No, 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 it's today. And I said, finally, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I, I waited a while because I, I full flown, full blown hated people. Like, it's probably not good to tell you from a pastor's perspective. But I'm sure I did. And uh, the Lord wanted me to be free. And what I can tell you from the other side is I want everybody in the entire room to be free. Because where he brought me from and where I am now, people can't even see that side of me anymore. I love it. I am so thankful. I can't even tell you how thankful I am. When it comes to, you know, when we start to worship and I think about where he brought me from, where I was so damaged by lack of forgiveness and hurt and stuff that had happened in my life. And now to be free, to actually be free, I didn't even have a clue how to do it. I didn't even know where to start. So after I agreed to do it, the Lord showed me. I may, I used that. I don't use that loosely. Oh, you know, I don't tell you every day. Lord showed me to do stuff. I found out later, because uh, I ended up going to counseling later, but I found out that a lot of the things that the Lord showed me you know, were processes that people who know what they're doing of counseling, uh, through counseling and healing, 
There's steps that people take. But the Lord showed me how to get free. Part of it was releasing the desire to get uh, vengeance. There's a passage of scripture that was great. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So I want to put this in language that I appreciate. So if you decide not to take, you know, vengeance into your own hands and you leave it to the Lord, just know that he's going to do a good job. He does everything well. And you can leave it to him. He's not going to overdo it. It's just going to be right. And there's some somehow that feels good to me. Because it also frees me from having to be the avenger. Paul wrote about this. That was I read from uh, Romans. This actually comes from Deuteronomy. So it's all throughout the Bible. Vengeance is God's, not yours. Now, um, the little bit that I'm going to share you about in my my life is that I grew up in a violent home. Even though I was raised in a Christian home, I was raised in a violent home where there was a lot of fighting and things that just... Not just casual fighting. I'm talking crazy stuff where people could die. And um, thankfully, nobody did and nobody lost any members and, you know. But it was it was bad. And um, I was one who didn't have an off button. And so I had been there so many times where it was just bad. And so I would try everything I could to stay out of those situations because I was afraid of what I might do. And I'm so grateful that God took that job from me. I don't have to get even. I don't have to level the playing field. That's God's job. So what do I get to do? Well, I get to forgive people. I get to live free. You know, Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you talk about carrying the weight of hating people and hoping they, they, they get theirs, it, it, it's a terrible burden to bear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, only two of you. That's okay. But before we walk out of here, I need to tell you one more point. So the second point, you can forgive. You can be forgiven. You can forgive. And the third point is you must forgive to be forgiven. So this is kind of the twist. A lot of us don't like that little link. It's not like a casual idea. It's like you have to. Jesus loves us too much to ask ask us our opinion about this one. And so he knows that we probably would ultimately know that lacking forgiveness is killing us. We know that. But like a doctor who makes a precision cut with a scalpel that actually hurts, Cut away some cancer that would kill you if you don't get rid of it. Jesus tells us that we have to forgive others if we want to be forgiven. He pushes the envelope with us. And um, Matthew 4, uh, 14 through 15, he says this, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Um, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. So just look at this again. So like if you said, like when we said the Lord's Prayer, if you said, 
forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts as we as we forgive those who sin or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or if you read it the way I was just telling you, if if we we forgive us our sins as we have forgiven our debtors in the past. You might kind of go over that quickly, like we would pray that prayer and just like try to get through that so that we don't have to think about it, right? And then Jesus is like, I think you might have gone over that prayer pretty quickly. So he adds this to the prayer, just so we get the point. I like clarity. It's there. It's hard to miss. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Then he says it the other way. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in Heaven will not forgive you. So he doesn't kind of like leave it open. It's, it, you're kind of in a spot. You either sort of do it, or you're like, I don't want anything to do with this. And that's really where you should be. Because that's really what it is. That's, that's what it is with God. You could be free. You could like create some no, new, new neurons and learn how to forgive. Or you could decide to hold on to the bitter weight, the heaviness of continuing this is a person of testimony. I'm not saying it's easy. We're talking years and even some therapy. And But I just want you to know that God can do it. And But it's not optional. Um, some of the best news you'll ever hear in your life is that you can be forgiven. Some of the best news in your life is that you can forgive other people. Now the big question is kind of like how, right? Because you're like, okay, you've been talking about this. So I'm just going to walk you through what I have learned, and I know there are people who can do this better, but I'm just going to tell you what I learned, and it's so helpful for me. If you're like wondering today, where do I start? I can just encourage you. What happened to you was, if you're having trouble forgiving, was something that shouldn't happen. And uh, somebody needs to hear it. And the Lord wants you to tell him. In fact, he, uh, he wants you to pour out your soul to God. And uh, he wants you to you know, tell you that he loves you. And he wants you to know that you're heard. Uh, when I was doing this, I, it, it was really weird to say things that I just wanted to not think about anymore. But did you know that God uh, wants you to know that you can pour out your soul and your pain to him? So much that he gave in the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms and over 60 of them. So the largest group of Psalms, the largest group is uh, Lament Psalms. There's more than 60 of them. And they're how to be bummed out with God. How to let it rip. I mean, just, and, and if you read them in the original language, they don't even filter. We have to filter it because we couldn't say these things. And, you know, but they actually don't filter so that's a first step. Second step is actually for me was this: let God comfort me. And uh, it was just an invitation. After I knew I'd said what needed to be said, a lot of my stuff gets written down because I'm introverted guy. I don't like to say th- I'm in front of you now, probably, but I'm not a, actually. If you, we if we met and I w- I wasn't doing this, you would be talking, um, or maybe not if you're introvert too, but. I have to get it out usually through writing. So in my journals, 
they're full of stuff just of saying what I said. And then there's this invitation, okay, God, I need you, I need you to come into this scene with me. And I need your perspective on it. And uh, I love Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. It says, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So you let God come into that, and it's always different for me. A thought will come to my mind, or sometimes he'll bring something to my mind of how much he loves me, or something like that. The third step would be, um, I need to own my stuff at that point. So he's comforted me, I poured out my, my soul, and then I did stuff as a result of that, that I need to own. So I confess it. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sin. So I need to confess it. I need to say it. Actually, it's really best if you can do it with another person, but most Americans struggle with this. James, actually, chapter uh, 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another, and so, and so you'll find healing. If you're going to do that, do it with somebody who can receive that. Don't just with anybody, because not everybody can do that. But do it with somebody who can hear a confession, not condemn you, and then tell you you've been forgiven. The end of it. Can't. Do it with Jesus anyway. Confess it. Confession just means agreeing with God that what you did was wrong. Now, you could say, well, actually, it was what somebody else did to me. I get that, but we're actually talking about you now. What did you do? Oh, I hated them after that. I sort of hit them with a baseball bat, too. I shouldn't have done that. You know? And it goes on and on, right? So, But I, what I did, I need to own. Stuff you say, stuff you did, people you hated, whatever it is, the stuff you carried, you've you, you got to own it. Then you can be forgiven. You confess your sin. And then Jesus kind of added stuff to this. Like, go figure, right? Jesus said, pray for the person that hurt you. And he said, actually says, love them. And what you're really wanting to do is bless them. You're saying, Lord, I don't know their perspective. I'm sure they had a perspective, but... but I want you to bless them. Now, I do pray other things, too, because in the Old Testament, there's what's called an imprecatory prayer. Those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a nuke them till they glow kind of prayer. So I'm not going to tell you that I don't pray that for people at times, but I leave the vengeance to God, okay? So I can tell God what I really think and let him comfort me, but then you pray blessing over them. Lord, help them to find you. Lord, redeem their life. Care about them. Show them. And uh, when you start praying for people, he changes you. And I found that to be true. And then I found that it can lead to praise. You guys have a wonderful time for praise and worship coming up tonight or tomorrow night. And just taking time to thank the Lord for the fact that you are actually clean. Regardless of whether you ever get an apology, that's actually secondary. You can be free. That's forgiveness. I am so thankful for what Jesus has done for me. Last couple thoughts. If you get stuck and you still can't forgive, I have two more thoughts for you. You might have to chat with a pastor or a counselor or somebody. And if if you're not forgiving, there's probably a lie that you're believing that needs to be uncovered. And uh, you might need to address the lie as well.
but you can forgive even without that. So I guess you're going to replace the lie with the truth. I have just some questions for you as we conclude here. The first one is just, are you a follower of Jesus? And if you're not, and you're contemplating it, what I want you to know is you can be completely forgiven today. You can know that you're clean with God. And uh, the second thing is, for what do you need forgiveness today? Some of us like let stuff hang around that we know that we should be forgiven for, but we just kind of ignore it. But probably, my guess is, there's a part of the the Lord called the Holy Spirit that nudges people. And my guess is you've been thinking about some things that you shouldn't have done. And if you haven't cleaned that out today yet, it's a great time to do that. Third, have you asked God yet to forgive you for the things that you know about? Are you holding out for some pizza first or something? And then there's who must you forgive? You know, who is it that comes to your mind when you think of they don't deserve forgiveness? It's true. And neither do you. But who is it? And then here's the big thing. What's your next step? If you were actually going to hear this today and and act on it, um, Jesus said, those who come to me, hear my words and put them into practice. So you come to him, you hear his word, and then you actually put it into practice. You'll have a foundation that will last when the storms of life come. Unfortunately, a lot of people come to him And then they hear his word and they're like, I think I'll hold on that one. And then you don't have a foundation. Even though you know more about God, so you actually are not free until you take action. So I want to encourage you today to just what is the one thing you could leave and actually do with the Lord? Can I pray over you now? Jesus, I want to thank you for letting me be here today with this amazing group of people with some really good friends. And Lord, it's, it's incredible that you call um, this church into existence. And uh, to be here is just mind-boggling to me. I want to thank you, Lord, for that. And I want to thank you for these people. I pray that you'd bless them today. And Lord, that you would release those that are captive today from um, whatever is keeping them kind of bound, or like you did me and continue to do for me. Oh, God, I pray in this room right now that your power would actually now come, your kindness and your comfort and your love. And those that are wondering if they could be forgiven for some things that they've done in the past that they just feel like they just want to not... May they find forgiveness today in your amazing and your wonderful and your kind love. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price for all of our sins, for loving us enough to to die for us. And now, Lord, for every person in the room who's, who's just weighing maybe a next decision or whether they want to follow you, I pray that you would Give them the courage uh, to do something new. And uh, 
no one's looking around or no one go anywhere for just a second. Everybody's heads bowed. Nobody's looking around. I just want to ask you a question. Like, um, Today, if you uh, would be willing to have the courage to just look up at me if you're saying, you know, I, I think I'm ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. Um, if you would just make eye contact with me and say, you know what, that's me. I'm ready to do it. I, I, I want to be forgiven. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I'm not going to embarrass you. I mean, it's not going to be like that. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But uh, if you're ready, I, I just want to, you know, encourage you and uh, say awesome with you and kind of join you with that. Um, it's the best decision you'll ever make. and It's kind of like one of the best starting points that you can ever do. It's just saying, okay, I, I, I want to be forgiven and I'm ready. A number of you are looking this direction. And um, and so what I'd like to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And um, it's not a, a magical prayer. It's, a, it's, just, it's just a prayer. And in your heart where you're at, just pray it with me if this is the step for you. Okay? Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your kindness to me. Today, I would really like to follow you in this new path. I'd like to become a follower of Jesus, and I'd like to know that I'm forgiven, and I want to take the next steps with you. Please forgive me for the things that I've done that are wrong. And um, best I know how, from this day forward, I want to live for you. In your wonderful name that I pray. Amen. Everybody can look up now. And I would just encourage you to do, if you did make that step today, there's a connection card that you have there. And you can indicate it on the card. And and then there's this, uh, I think it's like a two-week coming up. It's like the next steps. That's a great next step, too, after you kind of do some some homework with the Lord, like uh, some confession or whatever, telling the Lord things and then receiving His forgiveness. It's a great step. To just go to something like that and take the next steps. Pastor Dan. Thank you, Dr. McNaught. Can we just express gratitude and appreciation? Thank you. I remember when we were in college, you said something. You said, you know, the harsher the thing you need to say, or the harder the thing you need to say, the gentler you need to say it. Like, I'm going to punch you in the face right now, but I'm going to do it really softly. But it's still going to feel like a punch. I've always found that to be true, like, when he shares. So not easy things to say. But you say them with such gentleness. <laughs> I don't have that gift. I, I'm just too New Jersey. I don't, like, I'm just, I don't have that, that in me. But those are really important things that we heard this morning that each one of us can be forgiven that's really good news I mean come on isn't that good news we believe in forgiveness because we need it and our world needs a lot more of it we're in a very unkind society it's not forgiveness screw up once watch what happens 
there's going to be a record of that wrong for the rest of time. People don't forget. They hold you to it. There's a lot of you in this room today that right now you have guilt and regret and shame. And all it does is push you away. And similarly, you go, I'm so glad you don't know me. Right? We say that about everybody else. We're so glad that people don't know really because we're so ashamed and so guilty. I'm going to tell you today, today is a brand new day. The grace of God is all over you, and he just says, I forgive you because I love you. We should be jumping out to go forgive other people because of how much we've been forgiven. I'm telling you, it's an unfair exchange. What we have done to God, the forgiveness that we receive for him is always in excess of the forgiveness we show to other people. Nobody owes us to the measure that we owe the creator. It's just inequitable. It's an unfair exchange. We always went out on the deal. When you forgive, you always do better. You win. It's just kingdom math. It doesn't work, but it works. Anyway, we're going to close our service this morning and invite our ushers to come forward. And we're just going to close our time together. So grateful for you all being here today. Again, we give as a way to just say to God, we declare that you are who you say you are. You're my forgiver. You're my provider. You're my sustainer. You're everything good in my life. And so as we give to God, it's just an expression of faith and it's an expression of worship. As you give, it's worship. Saying, God, this is what you are worth. You are worth my money. You are worth my time. You are worth my life. And I promise you, when you give, you always get back more. It's just kingdom math. Same thing, same story. So let's just pray as we close this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for Dr. McNaughton, for the, just who he is and what, what message you put in his heart for today. Lord, I pray that each one of us would receive from you this morning that message. And we would understand that forgiveness is this incredible gift that you give us. But it's got so much more than just us in mind, Lord. It's, it's about what it causes in us. Lord, you, you intended an entire culture, a people who forgive. Not just to forgive me, but that we would be a culture of forgiveness. Help us to do our part. Help us to come to you already forgiving. Now begin to do that work. Teach us how. Let us learn how to forgive. To grow in that. Make us forgiving. And we thank you for being the lead, the king, the most forgiving of all. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.